0: book the first part fourteen of a Laodiceum by thomas hardy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by simon evers book the first part fourteen when she was gone he went on with the drawing not calling in dare who remained in the room adjoining presently a servant came and laid a paper on his table which miss power had sent it was one of the morning newspapers and was folded so that his eye fell immediately on a letter headed Restoration or Demolition The letter was professedly written by a dispassionate person solely in the interests of art. It drew attention to the circumstance that the ancient and interesting castle of the distances had unhappily passed into the hands of an iconoclast by blood, who, without respect for the tradition of the county or any feeling whatever for history in stone, was about to demolish much, if not all, that was interesting in that ancient pile, and insert in its midst a monstrous travesty of some Greek temple. In the name of all lovers of medieval art, countered the simple-minded writer, let something be done to save a building which, injured and battered in the civil wars, was now to be made a complete ruin by the freaks of an irresponsible owner. Her sending him the paper seemed to imply that she required his opinion on the case, and in the afternoon, leaving Dare to measure up a wing according to directions, he went out in the hope of meeting her, having learnt that she had gone to the village. On reaching the church, he saw her crossing the churchyard path with her aunt and Mr. Stancy. Somerset entered the enclosure, and as soon as she saw him, she came across. "'What is to be done?' she asked. "'You need not be concerned about such a letter as that.' "'I am concerned.' "'I think it is dreadful impertinence,' spoke up Charlotte, who joined them. "'Can you think who wrote it, Mr. Somerset?' Somerset could not. "'Well, what am I to do?' "'repeated Paula. "'Just as you would have done before. "'That's what I say,' observed Mrs. Goodman emphatically. "'But I have already ordered. "'I have given up the Greek court. "'Oh, you had seen the paper this morning "'before you looked at the drawing?' "'I had,' she answered. Somerset thought it a forcible illustration "'of her natural reticence "'that she should have abandoned the design "'without telling him the reason. "'But he was glad she had not done it from mere caprice.' She turned to him and said quietly, "'I wish you would answer that letter.' "'It would be ill advised said Somerset. "'Still, if, after consideration, you wish it much, I will. "'Meanwhile, let me impress upon you again "'the expediency of calling in Mr. Havel, "'to whom, as your father's architect, "'expecting this commission, something perhaps is owed, "'and getting him to furnish an alternative plan to mine, "'and submitting the choice of designs "'to some members of the Royal Institute of British Architects, This letter makes it still more advisable than before.' "'Very well,' said Paula reluctantly. "'Let him have all the particulars you've been good enough to explain to me, so that we start fair in the competition.' She looked negligently on the grass. "'I will tell the building steward to write them out for him,' she said. The party separated and entered the church by different doors. Somerset went to a nook of the building that he had often intended to visit. It was called the Stancy Isle, and in it to the tombs of that family. Some set examined them. They were unusually rich and numerous, beginning with cross-legged knights in hauberks of chain mail, their ladies beside them in wimple and coverchief, all more or less coated with the green mould and dirt of ages, and continuing with others of later date in fine alabaster, gilded and coloured, some of them wearing round their necks the Yorkist collar of suns and roses, The livery of Edward the Fourth. In scrutinizing the tallest canopy over these, he beheld Paula behind it, as if in contemplation of the same objects. You came to the church to sketch these monuments, I suppose, Mr. Somerset? she asked as soon as she saw him. No, I came to speak to you about the letter. She sighed. Yes, that letter, she said. I am persecuted. "'If I had been one of these, it would never have been written.' "'He tapped the alabaster effigy of a recumbent lady with her parasol. "'They are interesting, are they not?' he said. "'She is beautifully preserved. "'The gilding is nearly gone, but beyond that she is perfect.' "'She is like Charlotte,' said Paula. "'And what was much like another sigh escaped her lips. Somerset admitted, that there was a resemblance.' while Paula drew her forefinger across the marble face of the effigy, and at length took out her handkerchief and began wiping the dust from the hollows of the features. He looked on, wondering what her sigh had meant, but guessing that it had been somehow caused by the sight of these sculptures in connection with the newspaper writer's denunciation of her as an irresponsible outsider. The secret was out when, in answer to his question, idly put, if she wished she were like one of these, she said, with exceptional vehemence for one of her demeanour. I don't wish I was like one of them. I wish I was one of them. What, you wish you were a Stancy? Yes, it is very dreadful to be denounced as a barbarian. I want to be romantic and historical. Mr. Stancy seemed not to value the privilege, he said, looking round at another part of the church, where Shardis was innocently prattling to Mrs. Goodman quite heedless of the tombs of her forefathers. "'If I were one,' she continued, "'I should come here when I feel alone in the world, "'as I do to-day, "'and I would defy people and say, "'You cannot spoil what has been.' "'They walked on till they reached "'the old black pew attached to the castle, "'a vast square enclosure of oak panelling "'occupying half the aisle, "'and surmounted with a little balustrade "'above the framework. "'Within, the bay's lining, that had once been green, now faded to the colour of a common in August, was torn, kicked and scraped to rags by the feet and hands of the ploughboys, who had appropriated the pew as their own special place of worship, since it had ceased to be used by any resident of the castle, because its height afforded convenient shelter for playing at marbles and pricking with pins. Charlotte and Mrs. Goodman had by this time left the building, and could be seen looking at the headstones outside. "'If you were a distancy,' said Somerset, "'who had pondered more deeply upon that new wish of hers "'than he had seemed to do, "'you would be a churchwoman and sit here.' "'And I should have the pew done up?' she said readily, "'as she rested her pretty chin on the top rail "'and looked at the interior, her cheeks pressed into deep dimples. "'A quick reply told him that the idea was no new one with her. and he thought of poor Mr Woodwill's shrewd prophecy?' as he perceived that her days as a separatist were numbered. "'Well, why can't you have it done up and sit here?' he said warily. Paula shook her head. "'You are not at enmity with Anglicanism, I am sure.' "'I want not to be—I want to be—what—' "'What "What the distances were and are,' he said insidiously, and her silenced bearing told him that he'd hit the nail. It was a strange idea to get possession of such a nature as hers, and for a minute he felt himself on the side of the minister. So strong was Somerset's feeling of wishing her to show the quality of fidelity to paternal dogma and party, that he could not help adding, But have you forgotten that other nobility, the nobility of talent and enterprise? No, but I wish I had a well-known line of ancestors. You have? Archimedes, Newcomen, Watt, Telford, Stevenson. Those are your father's direct ancestors. Have you forgotten them? Have you forgotten your father, and the railways he made over half Europe, and his great energy and skill, and all connected with him as if he had never lived?' She did not answer for some time. "'No, I had not forgotten it,' she said, still looking into the pew. "'But I have a predilection d'artiste for ancestors of the other sort, like the Sustances.' Her hand was resting on the low pew next to the high one of the distances. Somerset looked at the hand, or rather at the glove which covered it, then at her averted cheek, then beyond it into the pew, then at her hand again, until by an indescribable consciousness that he was not going too far. He laid his own upon it. No, no, said Paula quickly, withdrawing her hand. But there was nothing resentful or haughty in her tone. Nothing, in short, which makes a man in such circumstances feel that he has done a particularly foolish action. A flower on her bosom rose and fell somewhat more than usual, as she added, I'm going away now. I will leave you here. Without waiting for a reply, she adroitly swept back her skirts to free her feet, and went out of the church, blushing. Somerset took her hint and did not follow and when he knew that she had rejoined her friends and heard the carriage roll away, he made towards the opposite door. pausing to glance once more at the alabaster effigies, before leaving them to their silence and neglect, he beheld Dare bending over them, to all appearance, intently occupied. He must have been in the church some time, certainly during the tender episode between Somerset and Paula, and could not have failed to perceive it. Somerset blushed. It was unpleasant that Dare should have seen the interior of his heart so plainly. He went across and said, I think I left you to finish the drawing of the North Wing, Mr. Dare. About three hours ago, sir, said Dare. Having finished that, I came to look at the church. Fine building, fine monuments. Two interesting people looking at them. What? I stand corrected. Pensa molto parla poco, as the Italians have it. Well now, Mr. Dare, suppose you get back to the castle? Which history dubs Castle Stancy? Certainly. How do you get on with the measuring? Dare sighed whimsically. Badly in the morning, when I have been tempted to indulge overnight, and worse in the afternoon, when I have been tempted in the morning. Somerset looked at the youth and said, I fear I shall have to dispense with your services, dear, for I think you have been tempted to to-day. On my honour, no, my manner is a little against me, Mr. Somerset, but you need not fear for my ability to do your work. I am a young man wasted, and am thought of slight account. It is the true men who get snubbed, or traitors are allowed to thrive. Thanks, sentiment, dear, and off with you.' A little ruffled, Somerset had turned his back upon the interesting speaker, so that he did not observe the sly twist Dare threw into his right eye as he spoke. The latter went off in one direction, and Somerset in the other, pursuing his pensive way towards Markton, with thoughts not difficult to divine. From one point in her nature he went to another, till he again recurred to her romantic interest in the Distancia family. Wish she was one of them! How very inconsistent of her! And she really did wish it! Was unquestionable. End of Book the First, Part Fourteen.